I didn't realize how chatty everybody was in diners when I was growing up <laughs> and how normal it was to be called from captain to chief to every term <laughs> in the whole world by an older guy. I'd be walking into 12 and it would just be like, hey, chief, I ain't going to boss. Sit down right here, guy. And I'm like, within a sentence, you called me five different names. Hi there and welcome in to a brand new week of Celebrity Salute. Dedicated to the men and women who serve our country in active duty, our veterans, and their families. We're here for you. God bless you. We love you. On each episode, we look for people and stories with some connection to these heroes. I'm Randy Miller. Jake Johnson is an actor, comedian, film producer, and screenwriter best known for his role as Nick Miller in the Fox sitcom New Girl and as Peter B. Parker Spider-Man in the Oscar-winning animated film Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and the sequel. He's also starring in and executive producing a new series on HBO Max called Minx, which is streaming now. We're happy to have Jake Johnson right here on Celebrity Salute. Jake is starring in a new show for HBO Max called Minx. That's Minx, a 10-episode comedy set in the 1970s L.A. Follows a young feminist who joins forces with a low-rent publisher to create the first erotic magazine for women. <laughs> I mean, that just sounds it sounds funny. I love it. Jake, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you today? Good, man. And you're also executive producing this, right? Yeah, you know, this script came my way from uh, I, my agent sent it to me, and I just thought the script was so fresh and funny, and the showrunner, Ellen Rappaport, had a really funny take on, a, you know, a young feminist who has a very clear work, vision of the world who enters the world of capitalism and meets my character, a guy named Doug Renetti, who's a publisher and wants to publish her words, but throw a naked male model in the middle of it because what he does is smut. And it's about that partnership and how uh, the uh, the magazine kind of takes off or doesn't take off in uh, 1971 Los Angeles. Well, you know, first of all, 1970s Los Angeles, you got me. Uh, you know, I, I just yeah, same. By I, the way, same. I mean, sure. And and I just, I've, I've been uh, I just finished up watching this kind of a quasi documentary about Hugh Hefner and Playboy. I don't know if you've seen that. Oh, uh, you know, I saw part of it and then I stopped. Did it get? Is it good? It, you know what? Like the first four episodes are fantastic because it talks about uh, how Hef started this thing. He quit. He quit a job as a copywriter and he started. Playboy magazine at his kitchen table and it it just went on from there. It's phenomenal. It just started with a couple of buddies. And so every time my wife would say, what are you watching down there? It's a documentary, honey. (laughs) It's a, it's a, it's a a very captivating documentary. But you know, what got me about what gets me about that pitch and also about what I liked about Minx is I really like the idea of how businesses form. Yes. When you think about something like Playboy, we all know it is this big institution. But what's really exciting is it was just an idea and it could have failed. Yeah. And all those little moments are so exciting when you really look back on a thing. Yeah. Playboy started out to be called Stag. That was going to be right. the, the name of it. And they, there was a copyright from an outdoors magazine called Stag. And so they, like, you know, days before the first publication, uh, they did a cease and desist. And they had to, to come up with a, a different name. Wow. And the the name Playboy came about from one, one of his buddies whose mother used to work at a car dealership in Detroit that sold the Playboy car, which I didn't even know existed. 
Uh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty cool. But yeah, uh, it's neat stuff. Yeah, and, and you know, you talk about forming those kind of businesses. It is fascinating, and it, you're right. Those little tiny moments make it all possible. It's amazing to me, the more interviews I do, that you talk to people where it's almost like one little thing happened in their career, or they wouldn't be doing what they're doing. They wouldn't be uh, a Absolutely. Su- superstar. I talked to, uh, we interviewed Chris Cooper yesterday. And, oh, great. Oh, man. Great I mean, actor. Oh, he's a fantastic actor. And I, I was disappointed to find out, because we're based in Kansas City, that he's not a Chiefs fan. So right. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit doubt about that. But no, you know, and he didn't start acting until uh, he was 36 years old. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just little things like that. But it's, a, it's, you know, acting in terms of other businesses and the whole show business thing, it's a really wild way to make a living. Mm-hmm. And the only true advice to anybody who is thinking about doing it is if there's another possible pursuit, go in that direction. <laughs> right. You know, if there's nothing else, right. then, you know, give it a shot. But it's so random and crazy. And the truth is, it is. It's these little moments. Yeah. That, you know, for me, mine kind of started. I was out in Los Angeles. I was, you know, working day jobs. Nothing was really cooking. And I met an actor named Michael Sarah at a party. Oh, sure. Who, you know, yeah, obviously blew up. But this was before he was even in Superbad. So wow. we were hanging out and doing jokes. And then on some random day, I got a call saying, do I want to be in a short film? This was called a web series. This was at the beginning of the internet where I'm like, what is a web series? (laughs) But I'm like, yes, Mike Sarah's involved. I'm in. And that day I ended up meeting so many people that would later lead me to work for years. And I thought about for years and I still think about it. What if I didn't go to that party? Right. Mike. Right. And what if I wasn't available that Saturday? Yeah. And you start getting down the rabbit hole, and I just have to go, you know what? Stop thinking about it. Yeah, you know what, though? That would be a super interesting show, is to, like, take somebody's career and then take that moment out of it. And, yeah, totally. Right? Right. It would be, it's the crazy thing about life that if you, you know, you know, my wife I met in a bar, she was a bartender, and I always think, like, well, what if I didn't walk in that bar that day? Right, right. Uh, Whoa, I, man, I, it gets really crazy really fast. <laughs> Hey, we're talking to Jake Johnson here on Celebrity Salute, the new show Minx on HBO Max, which is a 10-episode comedy set in 1970s Los Angeles. And now you were born just outside of one of my favorite cities of Chicago. Oh, yeah, I love it. Midwest. Yeah, man. And I read where, obviously, you know, you're a fan of Second City. and Yes, absolutely. And you formed an improv group called the Midwesterners, which I, I love that idea. I, 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 listen, well, you know, listen, I searched. Do you have anything on YouTube? Because I searched YouTube. I wanted to see yeah. some sketches. I wish, man. You know, it was one of those things where it was a couple of guys I grew up with. We were all living in New York City. And also, you know, nothing was happening for us. And we thought we wanted to create our own group, our own kind of kids in the hall. Right. Or, you know, the state, whatever group, you know, Mr. Show. Right. And we thought this is going to really work for us. And so when we were thinking about what the name of it was, we just didn't feel like New Yorkers. When you're from the Midwest, it's a certain thing. (laughs) And you really, you really realize it when you leave the Midwest. Oh, because when you're in the Midwest, you don't really think about it. Right. Right. I'm like, oh, there's just a vibe. There's a way people treat each other. There's like a common courtesy that (laughs) disappears. That is so absolutely true. I've moved around to a bunch of places in my, uh, 
in my radio career in San Diego and Atlanta and, and some other places. And you just don't find that. I've been in Kansas City now for quite a while. And I don't even know how you explain it. But it's yeah, like, it's true. It, it, I went into Hy-Vee the other day. We had a couple inches of snow on the ground. I go to Hy-Vee uh-huh. grocery store. And People in the Midwest don't even have to create an entire sentence. Like the <laughs> the, the, the cashier that I'm talking to, I, I've never met him before. And he just looks at the window and he goes, not as bad as they said. And I knew exactly <laughs> what he meant. Yeah, that's exactly right. right. Oh, yes. man. And, and everybody, in the yeah. Mid, yeah. everybody in the Midwest always has a guy. You know, oh, yes, you, that's right. if you need, if you need, <laughs> if you need I, I got a guy. I got a yeah, I got a guy. That you know what's funny about you know you can take a kid out of the Midwest, but you can't take the Midwest out of a kid. Yeah, is I got so many guys. Right. <laughs> and right. I just realized when you said it, I'm that guy for a lot of people where they'll go like, you got an electrician, and I go like, I got a great guy. Right. You got a plumber, right. like oh, I got the best plumber. Like everything that you need, right. I got a guy who's just not only are they good. But the, you know they're good people. You right. don't mind being. You're like, oh yeah, it's a good. Trust me, I got the guy. For yeah, you. you're gonna. You want to do something with your yard? Oh, I got a guy. Yeah, and, and yeah, you never question that. You okay? You got a yeah. guy? Okay, that, I'll yeah. call him. No, and, but then that's the word of mouth voucher. The other thing about the Midwest, in terms of you know what you're saying about the guy in the store, is I didn't realize how chatty everybody was in diners when I was growing up, <laughs> and how normal it was to be called from captain to chief to every term in the whole world by an older guy. I'd be walking into 12 and it would just be like, hey, chief, I ain't doing it, boss. Sit down right here, guy. And I'm like, within a sentence, you called me five different names. And my dad, my dad used to take it to the next level where he would call and I, my brother and I still die laughing, but like we'd go to like a cub game, you go to like Wrigley field and you're, you know, parking your car. He would call men as if, as in a form of affection and the men would like respond appropriately. He would call men baby face and somehow he wouldn't get in front. They would like it. They would be like, my dad and like another like sixty year old guy and my dad would be like, Hey, you mind if we park over here, baby face? And they'll be like, You got it, buddy. And I, my brother and I would be like, What world are we living in? You can't call a man baby face. <laughs> Oh, that is so true. That is absolutely true. And, and and the fact that I do that a lot if I can't remember somebody's somebody's name. You know, yeah, hey, sure. hey Randy, how you doing? Great, Captain, how you doing? Yeah, you know, all right, guy. Yeah. Cause it is, that's oh my gosh, that is so funny. But that is to me a huge part of that Midwest. <laughs> and the other thing about Chicago is and I, I really think about it, you know, my family and I were just in Arizona for a little bit and I was really thinking about when I was like meeting people there where Chicago feels like the biggest small town in the world. Yep. Yep. Like if you're in an elevator with somebody in Chicago, you mostly say like, Hey, how you doing? You don't stand silently. As if you all know each other. You don't do that in other places. No, no. And it's always jarring when I'm next to somebody and I'll go like, like, yeah, it's cooking out here, huh? And they'll look at me like I'm insane. And I'm like, I'm not going to rob you. <laughs> We're standing in right, right. a nine by nine box together. We might as well say hi. You assaulted me with your words. 
Yeah, I'm like, all right, take it easy, chief. And then I'm like, oh, okay, everybody slow down. <laughs> easy baby face. You're all right. Yeah, easy baby face. I'm just talking about the weather, guy. <laughs> the other thing, okay, one more thing about the Midwest. So not, not only do you always have a guy, but people, yeah. I, don't care, I don't care what you do for a living. If, yeah. if, if somebody wants you to do a portion of that for them, I don't care. If you're, you know, I've got, I've got a nationally syndicated radio show and I got, I got like people that will go, Hey, will you, uh, like do the voice on my answering machine? Yeah, for sure. Oh, when, and, you, and, you, and you do it, you do it. Yeah, you do it. <laughs> well, that's the humiliating part. Yeah. You always do it. I, of course you do it. I had somebody ask me to, to DJ their wedding. I go, I'm not that kind of a DJ. And they go, I, you know, you could, you could just like play some, you can play some records. And I go, okay, I'll do it. I mean, how hard is it? I'll just play some songs. You guys make the playlist, okay? Cut to every weekend. You're like, hey, everybody, I want you to celebrate Sarah and Adam on their wedding. <laughs> Two people I've never heard of. I guess right. I'm now a wedding DJ. Right, right. <laughs> oh, man, you're funny. You're a funny guy. Yeah, man, I, 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 knew, I knew you would be funny. <laughs> you know, you played uh, Nick Miller on New Girl, and oh, yeah. uh, and he was the smart one, right? He, Nick was the smart <laughs> That's really funny. So this is a true story about that one. When I booked that part, he was the smart one. But the beauty of television is that the writers, if they're talented, and that show we had great writers, is they start writing to the actor's strength. It's like a team. Sure. Certain coaches run an offense. If you don't fit in, you're out. Then the great teams, you you go towards your talent. Yeah. And so Nick Miller, when I booked the job, was the smartest guy in the room who rarely talked. Well, I've never been accused of being the smartest guy of any room I've ever been in, and I've never been quiet. So by the by the end of the show, Nick was one of the dumbest people on network television, and he talked all the time. But the early pitch of Nick was a very smart lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> it oh. just didn't end up that way. And that show ran for a while too, right? Yeah, we got seven years out of it. It was wow. a great show. It's got a really sweet base. So like those who really love that show and stick with it, you know, I, I will say I feel very lucky because those that recognize me from that show are really nice human beings. And so, you know, you you kind of what the the material you make is kind of what you get back. Yep. And for that one in particular, it's just like a kind group of like optimistic people. And it's, where it's, are they? It's get, yeah, exactly. <laughs> can, can <laughs> They're you, out there, man. Yeah. They're out there. I mean, can you direct me? Uh, you know, my uh, our our daughter went to a school in Chicago. She went to uh, Columbia. And oh, great. Um, yeah. I was lucky enough to. I had a buddy of mine that was a program director there at WGN. And I said, "Hey, I'd like to come out and and visit with my daughter." He goes, oh, "You want to do a do a month on on GN?" And I said, "Yes." Great. It was the most thrilling. I mean, just the studio alone, just for people that yeah, don't know. Totally. Uh, I mean, you you got a studio that is looking out. I mean, it, it's on the ground floor, of Michigan Avenue, and you're looking out, and I mean, you can see, and they had a microphone outside the studio 
And what a blast! Oh my gosh! I and I said, "What are you what are you doing with a microphone out here?" And they said, "Oh, we don't really do anything with it." I go, "Can I?" Because I was doing like uh, like noon to noon to three or something. And they yeah, said, okay, well, "Okay." So I would just interview people that were going by. Oh, what a blast! Oh, such a great time and such a what such a great a, way to visit your kids. Oh, too. also squeeze in a month of work. Well, uh, and you talk about the Cubs. You know, they carry the Cubs. Oh yeah, and for so sure. I, mean, I grew up WGN for me was, you know, we didn't grow up with cable or this was obviously pre-streaming, so WGN would just be on all summer. Right. Right, you'd go. I know a Cub game is coming on at about one twenty. It's nine a.m. Turn <laughs> right. it off. Right, exactly. <laughs> and I asked the program director there. My buddy said, uh, "Can you get me a couple of tickets?" He got me. I don't. I can't remember if it was front or maybe the second row tickets. And I took my daughter. And my daughter's really not into sports. And I just kept telling her the whole game. I go, "You, you don't know how lucky you are." Yeah, I mean, this, this is. <laughs> I said, you, "You will tell people about this, and they won't believe you." Yeah, it's, I got a funny uh, Wrigley Field story. A couple, a couple of years ago, I got a, an invite to do the seventh inning stretch. Oh, wow. But, you know, the seventh inning stretch, you sing Take Me Out to the Ball Game. Sure. It's all based off Harry it's Carey. All based off Harry Carey. You know, when Harry Carey, when I was growing up, he was just this great drunk, you know. Right. And in Chicago, <laughs> right. in Chicago right. drunks right. are celebrated. Sure. You know, in other cities, they're viewed as having a problem. In Chicago, that's your favorite uncle. <laughs> You know, that's right. That's right. So, like, uh, you know, it, Harry was not a mean drunk. He was a lovable singing one. So, what's <laughs> right? And so, I get the invite. My brother and I go, and we're all jazzed up. We're going through the stadium. We're doing the tours. You know, we're all freaking out. I get in the booth. I'm very nervous. I'm about to start singing. I'm just thinking about Harry and all these memories. And I start doing the song. Right? Now, are you are you are you a singer? No, God, no. <laughs> Uh, not a singer at all. I just really tried to belt it out the best that I could. Uh, but, you know, I, I can't carry a tune. I'm not one of those. In my business, they call them a triple threat if you're an actor, a right, dancer, right. and a singer. You know, I, I just say the words. So <laughs> but it was a really funny moment because it finishes. And I knew it didn't go great, but I wasn't positive. And I look over and all the PR people from the Cubs are being so sweet. They're like, thank you. It was great. It was great. <laughs> And I walk out and I see my brother. My brother looks at me and he goes like this. That ah, could have been better. <laughs> I'm like, okay, thank you for the honesty. <laughs> and then I saw the clip and I was like, holy cow, that was as bad oh, as it gets, no. man. Oh, no. <laughs> never again. Thank you for the invite. Never again. Well, I, um, so not, not that same experience, but I got to uh, throw out the opening pitch of a, a Royals game. Fun. And and well, yeah, you'd you'd yeah. sure think so. It's like, what six, sixty feet or something. And uh, I played baseball, but sure. but I mean, man, when you get out there, I agree. It happened to me too. It's so hard. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and and I, and you know, these thoughts are racing through your mind, like because if you do if you do badly, that's going to be your your There's Rosie no O'Donnell, way. you, you yeah. know, for the rest of your life. So. <laughs> it, it's really, it's really funny, and it's a really hard thing. But it's yeah. really tricky that it's so hard to throw a baseball that you've done a million times in your life. But the mound is higher; you yeah. only get one shot at one, it. So one, one time. Arm, all of a sudden, your arm feels like an overcooked noodle. <laughs> 
where all of a sudden I realized for the first time as I was walking out, I'm like, why am I wearing jeans? It was the first time I realized, I think I'm wearing skinny jeans. I didn't, I didn't know if I could lift my leg up to throw. I was like, I'm in a death trap. I, am, I felt like Houdini on the mound. I'm like, I'm in a, I I got to escape from these clothes just to throw a ball. I was like, get me out of here. This is not the thing. Have you ever tried to throw a golf ball? Yeah, it's so tricky. Well, the the reason I asked that is I was in a tournament one time where you get you get one throw, okay, and it, like instead of uh, of hitting it with your club, you you get to throw it one time during the round. And so we had a guy that played. I guess he played college ball, and he's in a sand trap about 150 yards from the green, and and he goes, "I think I'm gonna I'm gonna use my throw," and I go. Can you get it to the green from here? He goes, man, I played college baseball. He, he threw it about two feet. I mean, because a golf ball, if, if you've never thrown a golf, try, I mean, yeah. go now and try to throw a golf ball. I don't. It's just hard. It's just tricky, man. Oh, man. So um, we are here with Jake Johnson on Celebrity Salute and the new show HBO Max called Minx. And I want to remind you again that it's about the first erotic magazine for women. <laughs> and uh, it sounds so funny. You know, I had a buddy of mine that grew up in Naperville and actually went to high school with Bob Odenkirk. Oh, yeah. Bob's a king. Yeah. And do you do you work? You worked with him or you worked for? Yeah. Well, I got, you know, Bob was one of the guys when we talked about earlier about people who got you started. Yeah. Uh, Bob was one of the guys who gave me my first break. It was uh, with a guy named Derek Waters who created the show uh, Drunk History. Yeah. And a guy named Simon Helberg who was on The Big Bang Theory. Well, uh, years before those shows, those two guys created a show called Derek and Simon for HBO. And Bob Odenkirk directed them. And they cast me in it to play one of the characters. So it was like a no money job. It was like a favor thing. But you got to be around Bob Odenkirk. Right. Right, And so it was one of those early jobs that I felt like, oh, I think there's a chance I can do this. I mean, I'm, I mean, if you watch the sketch show, Mr. Show, yeah, you know, that was the best sketch I had seen when I was growing up. Oh, yeah, I mean, obviously man. there's SNL, but Mr. Show was next level. Have you read his book? I haven't yet. Yeah. Is it great? Uh, I haven't read it, but I'm hoping to get him on the, on the show. Oh, yeah. He is as funny and as cool. Uh, he's kind of everything you'd want him to be. Yeah. Hey, did you? So you had something to do with drunk history, right? Well, yeah. I was the first drunk of the drunk history. <laughs> 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 Derek Waters and I are friends. We met, uh, you know, we were both doing Second City, Los Angeles uh, out here. First and we, we went to my apartment one night and we got a bunch of beer and we were just drinking. And I had a story that I had heard from a friend of mine about the night Otis Redding died. Now, here's the truth. Do I know it to be factually accurate? No. Did I spend 45 minutes telling the story as if it was gospel? Yes. Well, who's going to question question that? No, this was pre-internet. The story was the, the the word was the truth. Right. And so the next day he calls me up and he goes, hey, buddy, can I come by and get you drunk and film you telling that story? (laughs) And I went, why? And he's like, because I want to shoot a short 
and have somebody playing Otis Redding basically <laughs> fact-checking you. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, 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 man. I'm trying to work as an actor. I can't be on screen getting drunk. Right. And so he cast another one of our friends, and then Mike Sarah and I were in the first Drunk History. <laughs> That's hilarious. What, what, yeah. a, what, what a great series that is, too. <laughs> oh, such a blast. Oh, such a man. fun idea. Well, and, and really a fun way to get history out, too. Like, it's goofy, oh, but I know. there's a lot but, of information. No, listen, I got two daughters. Our youngest daughter gets all of her history from that, and she will tell me things that I have, have no idea about. And it's I'm like, a, was that also on drugs? She goes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got to say, a really interesting part about, like, the new world with information, especially when it's something like that, is that you can now learn from a lot of different ways. So, like, junk history is fact-checked. So if there's a part that they're wrong, they say it. But in a really wild way, when I was growing up, I would have loved to learn about history that way. Oh, man. You, you, what, I didn't have a way to get interested in history until I was about 25 and realized, like, oh, history is cool. Yeah, right. Like, 16, I didn't know it was cool. I thought it was lame. I remember the first time I heard about the History Channel, I'm going, who's going to watch that crap? <laughs> now it's right. that or, uh, you know, home improvement shows. That's all I want to watch. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> exactly. But but a lot of stuff is, uh, is lost on my daughter because I told her the other day about I was describing this woman I saw. I said, she's kind of like the housekeeper, like the house mom on Facts of Life. And uh, she, she's like, Who, I, I don't know what you're talking about, Dad. She's like, Dad, I'll never know that reference. <laughs> right. <laughs> I do, hey, I do want to ask you, though, about this is pretty impressive here. So uh, you were in uh, University of Iowa, right? Yes. And then you wrote a play. And I, I mean, this is like you wrote a play which wound up earning you admission to the dramatic writing department at New York's Tisch School of the Arts, followed by the 2002 John Golden Playwriting Prize and the Sloan Fellowship for Screenwriting. Where, where can I see that play? You know, I think nowhere, sadly. Uh, but yeah, I was, at, <laughs> I was at the University of Iowa, which is a great uh, school, and it's got a great writing program. But what I realized while I was there, it was more for fiction and short stories and novels. And I knew I wanted to get in the world of plays and TV and movies, but I wasn't sure how. Sure. So I, you know, the way I was kind of raised was, you know, the grind is everything. Right. Right. So I just thought, well, I just have to outright everybody. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to, I tried to write all the time. And one of the plays got a little bit of uh, heat around it and got into there. And then, you know, I was lucky and I got a couple things published and I had a play produced and then while that play was produced in New York City was when I got into acting because I realized, oh, I don't want to sit on the sidelines and watch somebody else say the words and somebody else direct the words. Hmm. Because but, if they don't do it the way I imagined it, I get judged for it. Yeah, well, so if I'm going to yeah. lose, I want to lose by me doing it. Right, right. I, I, I understand completely about that. Where I was like, I just I couldn't do it that way. When your name is on it. But I mean, I don't think, I mean, you did get, get lucky. I mean, it must have just been a hell of a play. Yeah, thanks. You know, I, I will say it's uh, what I've learned as I've gotten older is all of it is you need hard work, you need talent, but you also need luck. It's got to yeah. be the right thing at the right moment. I mean, nobody's going to go at the Tisch School of the Arts. That's pretty good. 
Let's let, let you know, let's free ride. Let's let him in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Oh man, that's fantastic. Yeah, but it, it was it was a good run. Well, man, it has been such a blast talking to you. Best yeah, of you too. Best of luck. Does anybody ever uh, mistake you for uh, Mark Ruffalo? You know, I I kind of get everybody with brown hair and brown eyes <laughs> from like twenty five to sixty. So if you're, if and especially if you're a little round of the face. I want to one day do like a club where there's like 90 of us and we all take a photo together. The Mark Ruffalo Club. Exactly. Mark Ruffalo Juniors. Oh, that is so good. Well, I can't wait. Is this on HBO Max now? Yeah, it's streaming now. They just got the first four up. They're releasing two a week. It's a really fun show. Uh, you know, it's the Alan Rappaport, our show, where I really think is a gifted writer. And, you know, it's just one of those, I think when the writing's really strong, it's worth going on the ride. Uh, hey, listen, Jake, thank you so much for the time and best of luck. Love to talk to you again sometime. Absolutely. Thank you for taking the time. You've been listening to Celebrity Salute. Celebrity Salute is produced by Brainstorm Media and distributed by National Defense Network with host Randy Miller and executive produced by Nate Heron. Be sure to visit us at nationaldefensenetwork.com. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also say, Alexa, play the National Defense Network podcast.